Talk Radio 191 FM podcast. Mr. Speaker. Yes, and joining me on the phone this morning uh, is John Moore. Are you there, John? I am. Piora. Wonderful. Thank you very much for your time. No problem. Uh, so, in politics today, oh, that line is terrible. <laughs> it is a bit, isn't it? Um, anyway, let's, let's try to crack on. Uh, so, coming up this week in politics is Tuia Encounters 250. Can you explain to me what that is, John? So it's, um, this year marks 250 years since the first onshore meetings between Māori and Europeans, and this is being commemorated um, with various uh, state government-led events. So uh, Tuia Encounters, Tuia 250 is the official um, government-sanctioned name for this commemoration. Um, so this, this all relates to Captain Cook, um, um, first uh, coming to New Zealand and the encounters, both negative uh, and positive depending on your perspective that, mm. that happened between Cook and his crew and uh, various uh, Māori uh, hapu and iwi around the country um, with the um, with, with the most uh, with the initial encounter uh, actually leading to the death of some Māori at the hands of uh, Cook's crew, mm. um, and yeah, uh, uh, it's the government using very sort of wishy-washy, if not sort of postmodern language, is talking about the need for general conversations and the recognition of a diversity of views, including uh, hurt uh, that continues to be felt by Māori um, uh, in relation to these first encounters. Yeah, so it seems quite a contentious issue because uh, obviously for a, a lot of um, white New Zealanders, uh, it's a it's a big deal, but obviously there's going to be mixed feelings there for a lot of Māori. Is, uh, is everybody excited about this? No. Uh, and, and you, yeah, you're exactly right. This is a highly contentious issue that's um, increasingly become coming politicised. Um, there is a call for a boycott uh, by some Māori leaders of, of this commemoration, arguing that uh, this first encounter um, uh, and, and the commemorations of this first encounter really represent a celebration of, of the colonisation of New Zealand by, mm. by the British Empire. So the first step uh, um, with, with that Sort of on, with that colonisation that happened, uh, especially after the signing of the Treaty of Waitangi. Um, so yes, there's calls to boycott it, but there's nothing to celebrate at all. Um, I think it would you'd be hard pressed to find today any um, any Pākehā leader who would would say that there's an unambiguous sort of positive. Uh, uh, this is unambiguously a positive event to celebrate. Mm. Um, I think, uh, and certainly the state uh, and the government, uh, uh, as I said, trying to present the, the, these, this commemoration in more nuanced view 
that there's no there's no exactly correct way of, of viewing this first encounter and the continuous continuing encounters that happen between uh Maori and um what we call Pakeha today. Uh, but yeah, it's highly contentious and uh, um, we can expect both uh, celebrations around the country as well as protests. Yeah, what are, what are, the, pro, uh, what are the politics of those calling for boycotts? Right. Um, uh, the argument, I mean, amongst uh, Māori, and, and certainly not all Māori are calling for a boycott, there are Māori involved in an official um, uh, commemoration events that are state-led, as well as um, uh, various communities around the country that are holding, um, uh, not celebrations, but um, events to mark But those who are concretely calling for a boycott uh, argue that um, the New Zealand state is still essentially a colonial state, uh, a white supremacist state, uh, as the state is set up uh, by the British uh, after the white uh, and that uh, that legacy of colonisation continues to this day. Uh, so therefore, the this historic event. Uh, should only be viewed in negative terms because it was uh, it was the starting point, uh, effectively, for the takeover of New Zealand, the removal of sovereignty from Māori, uh, hapu and iwi, and the imposition of uh, um, colonial power and mm. control over Aotearoa. So that's very much where the politics of the people who are calling for a boycott where they are coming from. And uh, there's a general painting of Cook as a white supremacist as it, and as an agent of British imperialism by those calling for a boycott. Yeah, it seems uh, a strange thing to spend $20 million on, but equally uh, a significant event in our history nonetheless. Um, hopefully it would be a, a starting off point uh, where we could have conversations um, about race and where yeah, we are as a country. It's interesting that that's very much the way that state um, departments that are involved in the, these events and, and the government itself, that's the way they're framing this. That this, is a, this commemoration is all about discussions and uh, conversations. Uh, Calvin Davis, um, uh, Māori Crown Relations Minister and... Uh, um, Leader of the Labour Party has argued that um, that the hurt that Māori have felt uh, and continue to feel due to negative parts of the legacy of colonisation that this is, these commemorations are an opportunity for those for those feelings to be voiced. So it's interesting that really this commemoration shows the shift in state ideology. Um, Fifty years ago, where there were um, what were termed celebrations of Cook's arrival, uh, it was really all about what a heroic figure Cook was. Māori mm. uh, um, uh, were invited to do, were sort of come up uh, and do a haka at various celebrations around the country, but it was very, there was a very unnuanced and, and narrow perspective on what these first encounters were all about 50 years ago, that it was all uh, it was all a positive experience uh, with um, British civilization uh, coming to the shores of New Zealand. So the shift we see now is, is quite extraordinary when you think about it, mm. um, uh, that 
we're no longer, the state is no longer using that term celebration and is no longer uh, presenting Cook as purely a heroic figure, bringing civilization to these shores. Um, and it really does represent uh, uh, the influence that, say, um, Māori protesters and uh, advocates have had with that sort of push against this sort of very narrow view of the legacy of of, of colonisation in New Zealand. Yeah, uh, and also it's I mean how do you how do you pin down history because uh, you've got to question who who wrote the account. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, when when exactly did he first come ashore? I'm I'm pretty sure that they only actually came ashore a couple of times and stayed on the boat and did a did a bit of a, a circumnavigate and then took off. Um, but that's interesting, interesting for our country. Uh, speaking of colonial powers, though, what's happening uh, with Britain and their UK's next prime minister? Yeah, so we 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 currently have a battle. Uh between the figures of Boris Johnson and Jeremy Hunt for the leadership of the UK Conservative Party and whoever becomes leader of the Conservative Party becomes immediately Prime Minister of the United Kingdom as the Conservatives uh, hold power Mm. at the moment. Um, And this is uh, a fascinating uh, battle to, to to watch and see how it's playing out. And of course, the, the the elephant in the room is the whole issue of Brexit, and that's why we're having this uh, leadership race. Theresa May, uh, the current prime minister, has failed uh, to to um, make Brexit happen, um, uh, which she had promised that she would honour um, the referendum where a majority of Britons voted for Britain to leave. Uh, the European Union um, and, and now you have two figures who are both saying they want to push through with Brexit uh, however Boris Johnson is definitely the more radical and hard line politician in relation to Brexit saying if it comes down to it uh, uh, he will push through for a no deal Brexit if necessary he will hold back uh, uh, the, the, the payments that Britain um, is legally obliged to make to the European Union, um, and uh, yeah, he's he's um, whereas you have Jeremy Hunt, uh, who's a far more moderate conservative figure, um, far more managerial uh, in his general approach and far less bombastic. Um, and he's uh, although he was opposed to Brexit, he said he will honour the referendum, but is is, is far more flexible uh, in, in his approach and is arguing that there's a real need to come to a common understanding with the European Union over how Britain leads the EU. I gotta I gotta admit that I'm not fully up on my UK politics, but it seems to me a a competition between two twits. Uh, it, it strikes me as a bit like that Monty Python upper class twit of the year sketch. Um, one person with exceedingly bad hair and the other person who I, I don't know much about him other than I think he's a little bit racist. Yeah, I mean, there's a whole lot of variety of views. Chris's on hot take from the other side of the planet, obviously, sorry. 
Yeah. Um, I think what makes them come across as twits, and, and I think you're right, they do come across as twits to some degree, is that they're, they're trying to deal with this issue of Brexit where there's no clear end to how Britain is going to get the hell out of the European Union. And both of them are trying to say, well, we both have a clear vision of how this can be done and we can definitely do it and no problem. We're, and when they start getting uh, pushed on the details, uh, the whole narrative starts to fall apart. Mm. There is no clear road um, for um, Britain getting out of the European Union. For a start, the... the um, um, the Parliament, the majority of people in the British Parliament, the House of Commons, have to uh, agree uh, to to uh, uh, whatever the deal is, the final deal is going to be, or the no deal Brexit is going to be, regardless of whether Hunter Johnson becomes Prime Minister. If Parliament doesn't agree to um, their uh, solution of how Brexit will happen, then it doesn't happen. Mm. Um, uh, Boris Johnson, uh, in quite an uh, incredible move, has, has even hinted that he would be prepared to shut down Parliament and almost uh, with an executive order uh, through the sovereign power, the Queen, mm. uh, would force through a Brexit deal. But this would, that would be extraordinary to actually uh, effectively shut down Parliament for a period and, and to force through a Brexit. And God knows what would be the consequences of such a move. But yeah, um, they're both presenting themselves as strong, decisive leaders who know what they're doing when really there is no clear path to how Brexit is going to happen. Yeah, and they seem entirely divorced from the British people. Um, there seems to be quite an ivory tower around them where they sit and discuss things and buzzwords and using, uh, like, jargon and synergy. Uh, but then there seems to be an entire disconnect between that and how you're actually going to bring mm. about any of this change. Uh, well, one yeah, thing that I'm, I mean, Jeremy Hunt's very much the, the, the classical conservative leader who, who wants to come across as managerial, as a, a, a technical expert on a whole lot of political and economic matters. Um, uh, interestingly, though, uh, he very much presents himself as what is called a one-nation conservative, so the idea that the Conservative Party should not be a party of just the rich and the privileged, but should be a party of, of all British people. Um, Boris Johnson tends to use far more populist, uh, if not even radical language, mm. uh, very much in, 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 I guess, some people call him mini-Trump, effectively, <laughs> in oh that he's, he's, he he's very much wants to present himself as a sort of a... Uh, as, as, a as a populist politician standing above uh, the halls of power, uh, you know, a sort of drain the swamp type politician. Um, but again, when, when, when he's pressed on specifics and on detail, that's when um, uh, his whole narrative and his whole populist approach starts to fall apart. But saying that, um, uh, it looks like that uh, he will be elected as um, leader of the Conservative Party and will very shortly be the Prime Minister of Britain. We live in an interesting times. Something to look forward to. Thank you very much for your time this morning, John. Uh, okay. Pleasurable chat, as always. Sure. Uh, thank you for in, uh, persevering with such a garbage telephone line. <laughs> um, that's why we all use cell phones, right?
Anyway, thank you very much for your time this morning, John Moore. John Moore, our political pundit. This was a Radio 191 FM podcast. You can find more at r1.co.nz or wherever quality content is found.